Welcome to Doxed, the podcast. Today on Doxed, the podcast, we're diving into part four of Swoop's captivating YouTube documentary series on the Colleen Ballinger saga. In her most recent installment, Swoop shares her exclusive interview with Colleen's ex-husband Joshua David Evans. We'll be providing commentary as we watch through the documentary together, highlighting clips from the interview, but we also encourage listeners to watch Swoop's work on its own, and we want to emphasize that we greatly admire the integrity of Swoop and her team, and their dedication to uncovering the truth and to empowering victims and survivors. When we jump to a new spot in the Source interview, you'll hear this sound. That's to let you know we've skipped ahead. So with that, it's time to grab your popcorn, find your comfy spot, and join us as we explore this fascinating microcosm of internet intrigue. And before we start, make sure to hit that subscribe button and follow us for more stories and insights on doxing, trolling, and toxic parasocial relationships. I'm really scared to make this video. I am dreading making this video. This video is something I never thought I was gonna ever have to make in my life. I went from the boyfriend to the fiance to the husband. Joshua and I are getting a divorce. I just can't be here now. I gotta, I gotta go find some kind of peace. I wanted to leave Josh alone. This is the very first time in six or seven years after it happened where I feel like if I were to say something, I'm not going to be attacked by millions of people all over the world call you the most vile, horrendous, disgusting, life-ruining words. Telling me you're nothing without Colleen every single day. She loved the attention. She loved the status. Do I think she truly loves her fans? I never really felt like she did. My attention that night on diverted over to Josh. He mentioned that he always wanted to speak about Josh. His overall aim was to build an audience and then make the Josh video. And he had made that very clear. I hate that I have to have keep having these conversations with you guys. I'm scared because I've seen what she can do behind the scenes. I'm afraid of her. I would never make a mistake like that. And they compared her to a train and they said, this is the Colleen train. You either get on as a passenger or she's going to leave the station without you. Today, I only want to talk about the facts. And that's just the narrative that's believed. What about Josh Evans? Friends, that's an answer that the Colleen fandom thought they had figured out for many years because of Colleen's correspondence in these group chats where the image of Josh over the years became, as Adam McIntyre so astutely put it, the crazy ex-husband. Okay, it's a lose-lose situation for this man. This seems incredibly draining. He couldn't have spoken up in 2016. He couldn't have 2017, 18, 19, 20. Look what happened to me in 2020 and I wasn't her husband. I was just a, by her and her fans, a crazy fan. Could you imagine being the crazy ex-husband? It's this diminishing of Josh from a full fleshed person separate from his past relationships that partially led him to leaving YouTube behind over the following years and fully in 2022 for a more private life with his wife Pamela, working a day job not related to entertainment and living in a self-described tiny house. And this is more than likely where Josh would have remained if it weren't for a two-month-long series of tweets, podcast appearances, and interviews that began on June 7th from a grown man named Johnny Silvestri, or John as I'll refer to him, who in the heat of the Colleen Ballinger accusations gaining ground on social media began accusing Joshua David Evans of being worse than Colleen Ballinger. Josh has an ego, a massive one. Okay, I want to stop here. We're like seven minutes in <laughs> and just say that I love that Swoop calls Johnny John. <laughs> yeah. And it's like a grown man named John. <laughs> right. Like, don't try to childify yourself to seem more like more of a victim. 
It's one that I can pinpoint and address, not even knowing the dude on a personal level to this day. It turned into this god complex where I think to this day, he has this skewed idea that he was being a mentor. If you've seen part three of the series, you already know exactly how all of that ended. As much as John tried to force Joshua to stay silent, ironically, it was John Silvestri himself. That's another wild thing that Johnny says, not even knowing the dude, speaking about Joshua, and that was supposed to be the person that groomed him. Like not even knowing wow. him on a personal level is such a wild thing to slip out of your mouth during that interview with Swoop because I guess you could say that you're that you don't know your abuser on a personal level like that. But I feel like when you're in a grooming situation, I mean it's just uh I don't think that's how you I don't know. I don't think that's how you would describe it. I don't think so either. Like the whole point of grooming is to build a relationship with the victims. That is weird. You said that you've turned down a number of interviews and yeah. um I've had a lot of mainstream media reach out and ask to do this exact situation. And I said no to all of them. I'm only doing this here. I'm not going to do it anywhere else. I don't want to hop on to other channels. My intent is never to overwhelm anyone that I speak to and to, you know, if things become triggering or anything. Uh, as I've mentioned, we do have a trained crisis counselor on set. So if we need to stop, if we need to take a break, whatever it is, just let me know and we can do that. Okay. Right. We Thank just you. want to make sure. I think it's so interesting how this whole interview goes and how they, as they spend time together, like how their dynamic Josh's and swoops kind of develops throughout the interview. But I love yeah. it to start with that. He only was willing to talk to her and I understand why. Mm -hmm. And I think he made the right choice because she was really uh, fair to him, which I'm really thankful that she was, but yeah, I just think that's really cool that he only talked to her. Yeah, I think this was his first ever interview since the divorce. Yeah, other than the things he's put up um, on his own page, which mostly have just said that YouTube is really unhealthy for him and he needs to not be on social media. Mm -hmm. So it's a big deal that he's talking to Swoop. So yeah. And then I just love that that's kind of like he knew coming into it. And then you can see that you can see over the course of their interaction that it's that it gives him the space to talk. And so I'm, I think he definitely made the right choice. Okay. I started to feel almost like a character, like a sitcom character, like I was replaceable. One of the questions I would consistently get was if you weren't married to her, who, what YouTuber would you want to be married to? And always, it always struck me odd because I'm like, why would you even ask me that? Like, this is a real life. This is a real marriage. This is a real relationship. I don't sit here and think, well, if it's not her, which one would I want, you know? And so I would address that on camera and be like, we're not sitcom characters. This is this is real. So I'm not going to answer that question. And to then have it evolve into real life, it did feel like I was swapped out. It did feel like I was replaced. Yeah. So in this part, he's just describing how he felt like he was being made to play the role of a character of Colleen's husband during their marriage. And then at the end... It was almost ironic because the entire time he was trying to show up out as authentically as possible and convince the audiences that it was real life. And he did get swapped out by this other guy from the back off. And I think it strikes me that he was being treated that way. And that is so like Black Mirror dystopian to have an entire mm -hmm. marriage under the spotlight of these fans. He seems like kind of a softer more gentle kind of energy and she does seem like sort of a freight train and i can see her kind of bulldozing him probably and pr 
probably getting bored with him as soon as she laid eyes on a guy that she could hire to work with every day on her Netflix show. Like, I can totally see why she cast the guy that she picked. It was just like picking a boyfriend out of a lineup, I guess. It also seems like he has mellowed out since earlier days. I was even just watching today, like Adam was talking on his own channel about this and, you know, how he's grown a lot, how Josh has grown. As this progresses, something that I that I started to recognize the first time I watched this through the other day was how much he just really strikes me as somebody who meant to be like a good Christian guy. And I think that point keeps coming home in this, but like he really wanted to show up as a good husband. Mm-hmm. And that's so sad. <laughs> I don't know. And he reminds me of a friend I have who's from like, who's from the deep South because of the way that he just said, he says, because, because, and it just (laughs) makes that person that I know in my life who says that that way is also just somebody who has these very principled, like profound values about family and about uh, showing up for his own wife. And that I think are cultural that I can imagine Josh being a part of that. And and coming from that and then how heartbreaking it would be for your marriage to be to turn out to be that shallow yeah i think it's interesting that you you said the you know i'm assuming you were paraphrasing but uh if she was saying something like how dare you do that in front of my fans when it was a tour for the two of you the idea behind that would be that it would be your shared fans i was curious uh, you know if you felt like there was animosity or competition were there moments where it was just mutually supportive or was it more of a one-sided thing like this is these are my fans or can you walk me through that like what was that like having a relationship and you guys both creating together and separately in your own right i always felt like well because she made it obvious with her words and actions that they were her fans they were not mine and when we decided to do a tour together as husband and wife i thought wow she's really like looking at me like an equal and it it meant the world to me i didn't want to be bigger than her but the fact that it felt like it's 50 50 wow i've never felt 50 50 with her before and then she was very adamant about doing Miranda on the husband-wife tour. And I didn't understand that. Why do you need to do Miranda when mm-hmm. it's billed as us? If you bring Miranda in it, it's just a Miranda show with us. That was one of the times that she did go to therapy with me and the therapist sided with her. Why would you not allow her? Mm-hmm. Why would you have a problem with her doing that? And it, it made me feel like I was being controlling. And I didn't, I didn't look at it as like trying to control her. I just thought, if we're really doing 50-50, why would you whip out this massive character if I spoke up and said, I I don't see why you're pulling that out. She just didn't understand. Yeah, what do you think about that part? The therapist siding with Colleen that there was no problem with having Miranda Sings on their shared tour when it was bothering Josh. I mean, it, it makes sense to me why he would have a concern about that because the Miranda Sings character isn't one that partners with anyone or works with anyone that character would just take over the show so if it's just going to be the Miranda show that's one thing but if they were supposed to do that show together it makes sense that he would bring that up I don't understand why the therapist would side with Colleen yeah I agree there was one time where I was on my own tour and she was in Canada filming her show and she just avoided talking to me for days and we're married at this point there was one time i remember i was about to perform i had an hour before the show and i went back to my hotel room and i finally got her on the phone and all of this 
pain and like feelings of being disregarded kind of came to the surface. And I really just kind of let it out on the phone. Was I yelling at her? N no, but I was very passionate in the way I talked, very upset. And what she told me days later is uh, I saw Eric, which is her husband now, mm -hmm. uh, right after I got off that phone call with you. And I, I told him, oh, well, I just got yelled at by, by my husband for 15 minutes. Was that something that you, you felt was happening often, that she would go to him and share details of your relationship? I don't know if she thought I was blind, but I saw it from the beginning when she cast him. I remember all the other people that went through the cycle of that audition circuit. That character was supposed to be not conventionally like a good looking guy. Mm -hmm. And when she started, you know, wanting him, I thought he's kind of he's kind of a good looking dude. You want him to play this character that's supposed to be like the the male Miranda? And I thought I can't say I, I can't say anything. She's going to think I'm jealous. She's going to think I'm controlling. Mm. I did bring up that's odd that you're pushing for him when he's conventionally a, a good looking guy. Now, the person Joshua is talking and then that's also such a mind fuck that he could tell ahead of time that she was like moving on to this new guy and mm -hmm. she was even pushing it in his face that's horrible it's heartbreaking yeah and i it also just honestly the way that the whole like we talk a lot on the entire podcast about just like about toxic influencer relationships but what's that there's some book that a lot of people read in middle school that's all about turning a classroom into like brainwashing the students in a school or a classroom until they're all kind of behaving like nazis it's like a it's like a fiction book but i think it's based on something that was a true story anyway you can see how it happens the whole story is about how easy it is to get a group of people to be brainwashed into just not questioning what's going on yeah and you can tell that it's like Colleen being this kind of train <laughs> and there is no questioning her choices because she's the moneymaker. Right. To this, to this wild degree. Like what can he even say, even though it's obvious that she's casting this like hot guy for a not hot guy role because she right. get with him. Like but I've actually watched the show. This character is not at all like, cute or endearing at all to me <laughs> it's weird that she would cast someone that looks like him for that role other than just to be close to him every day and work with him every day yeah and then plus she says josh relays that she says to him that she's like mentioning it but then she's like oh i didn't i think later she says i didn't really you know, I promise there's nothing there, but there is Colleen. And then mm -hmm. like, that's, she also did that to Trisha Paytas with the nudes. Like she did that to a lot of different people where she just got all cutesy and sincerely said, like, I don't know, that, you know, it's not like that. And then it was, so that's a pattern. Yeah. Ugh. So you're right. Josh never stood a chance. That's so sad. Nope. What you might not know is that while she was working on this show's first season, she was married to Joshua David Evans. Two weeks before that season came out, on October 14th, 2016, Colleen announced her divorce from Joshua, and less than two years after that, Colleen Ballinger got married again to her Haters Back Off co-star, Eric Stocklin. There were just a lot of times that I knew she was hanging out with him. I knew that he had been over to her apartment mm. in Canada, or that she went over to his place and, quote, everyone was there. It's just hard to talk about. Uh, there was a t there was a time right before the divorce happened, and it was um, 
VidCon, and she didn't stay at VidCon very long. She, at that point, kind of thought, I'm, I'm bigger and better than this. Well, I loved it. But she left and went back to our, our house that we had. Someone communicated and relayed to me, hey, while you're out at VidCon, she's having a few people over to the house. And I was like, who? And they said, Eric, Corey and a romantic interest, and Rachel and her boyfriend at the time. And I just thought it was weird. And so I was supposed to spend the night that night near VidCon because it was a long drive. Mm -hmm. Something in my gut said, no, go back home. So I finished the show. I didn't tell her and I got in the car and I drove back. She kept messaging me like, are, are you in your hotel room? Where are you? Where mm -hmm. are you? And within the like last probably 15 minutes or so of the drive, I came clean and I said, I'm actually almost home. Mm. And when I walked through those doors, it reeked of alcohol and cigarettes and no one was there. Nobody was there. And then I went upstairs and she was sitting on our bed playing her ukulele. I could tell she was, she had some drinks in her. No big deal. Have a drink. It's your house. Mm -hmm. She smelled of smoke. And I was like, what's going on? Where is everybody? Oh, they had to go. They had to leave. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, just the red flags were popping off in my head. Like, why, why would you have everyone leave when you knew I was showing up? Unless you didn't want me to be around it. But the final words I said to her to her face, the, the last thing I ever said to her to her face, as I was leaving, I turned to her and I, I said, when you're effing Eric in our bed, I want you to think of me. And I said it right to her face, eyes locked. And her response was, it's not like that. He has a girlfriend. And then what was exposed very soon after was that they had started a relationship. Mm -hmm. I, it sucks. That's the last thing I said to her. To That's her like if you have not said anything to her. She threatened then. me a few months later through text mm. that if I continued to talk about her mm. in any way, shape or form is what she said. If you mention me in any way, uh, I'm going to get lawyers mm. on you. And my response to that was her branded slogan. Uh, all I said was spread happiness. And that wasn't the last thing I wrote to her with a little sunflower because that's mm -hmm. what she always used. On September 1st, 2023, Joshua and I hopped on Zoom for a few more questions I had for him. Namely, I wanted to get his reaction to what happened in part three of my Colleen docuseries, but I also wanted to get him to elaborate further on a few topics that he brushed off. That's such a chilling final interaction that he describes. So he goes home. He doesn't tell her he's on his way home because he was told by somebody else, whether at this VidCon or whatever, that she's home with Corey, I forget who else he just mentioned, but like two other couples and then her and this new guy that she's replacing Josh with mm -hmm. tells her when he's 15 minutes away, he gets back. No one's there. She's sitting on her bed playing a ukulele once again. That damn ukulele. Reeking of alcohol. And he says smoke and he can, he intuitively knows that there's something going on. And he says, uh, he says, I want you to think of me. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that's wild that that was their last interaction. And he must have just so strongly, I mean, must have just so strongly known. And then you have to wonder why did, what was she doing? Do you think that the friends were never there? Do you think that she just rushed them out because she felt weird about it? Or like, I mean, she might have said that a bunch of people were going to sort of cover herself. Like if Josh were to ask where she was. But it very well might have been her and the guy that she was cheating with. Yeah, like just the two of them. Yeah. 
Hard I mean, to tell why somebody. would you have the guy that you're cheating with at your place with a bunch of other people to witness it, you know? Well, yeah, and just the weirdness of... I mean, I guess... I don't know. I guess she could have just been doing, like, a power play. <laughs> expecting nobody to say anything. But, maybe. yeah, maybe they were just hanging out. Poor job. Either way, you can't really imagine that entire scene except for in a very, like in a very dark color casting like it's very ominous to imagine like walking up the stairs and then she's sitting on the bed playing the ukulele <laughs> God. All right. anytime i had an inkling do you have a thing for that person it only happened like three or four times but every single time i had an inkling it happened sorry when you say it happened are you are you saying that she had cheated multiple times like with different people or in the first three months of us dating I had this weird feeling in my gut that we were exclusive. We were saying, I love you. It was this whirlwind romance. I had this feeling in my gut that something wasn't right. I didn't know what it was. And I did a foul thing. She walked out, she was doing something. She left the apartment and I pulled up the laptop that she was on and I read some Facebook private messages that she had been sending. And it, it broke my heart. She, I caught her sending back and forth messages to a guy that I had already brought up. Hey, who is this guy? And why is he saying this kind of stuff to you? Like, I don't think that's appropriate. And she would always be like, oh no, oh no, he's gay or he's not into me. What? That's that same pattern again. He even early in the relationship catches her texting some guy after he had had an intuition that she was cheating with the guy. And she's like, oh no, he's gay. <laughs> she just does this all the time, apparently. She's just terrible. Or maybe she was just terrible to him because she had power over him and knew it. Because I don't know if she's doing this to her current husband the way she's no doing idea. she did this to him. But also, if she did it to him at this point in the relationship so early on and then got away with it, she learns that she can do it again. Yeah. So The Wave is the name of the book I was thinking about that everyone reads in high school never heard of it sounds very interesting it's interesting it's i don't know it's interesting <laughs> okay found was that in those messages she was saying exactly to him what she had said to me when we were first starting to date and get to know each other she was using the same catchphrases the same uh you're the best in the west that sticks out to me because she used to say that about me and she said it to him okay not to pause again so quick but then he says that he's noticing in those messages to this, this other guy that she's using some of these same catchphrases, like you're the best in the West. And that reminds me of being love bombed by somebody. And then which happened to me. And then later on finding out that that person was definitely saying some of those same exact phrases to other people as well, to make them feel love bombed at the same time. Mm -hmm. And they were very uh, meant to make, me feel special and that was so jarring when I was like oh my god you said that to another person like not that I'm like big-headed enough to think that that has to just be about me but it was clearly designed to make me feel special and then it's like very like your heart just sinks into your butt when you can when you realize that somebody has been saying something like that to more than one person <laughs> so I really wow. identify with that like Ew, he's also the best in the West, Colleen. Like, that's really <laughs> bomby and gross. That's so gross. And it's not even, like, a, like a cute thing to say. No. <laughs> cringe. 
<sighs> yeah. Colleen is more than more than kind of I don't like I don't like using that term cringe but she is she's definitely intentionally cringe content and just the whole persona is not as cute as I think she thinks it is no the whole the whole Miranda Sings persona is cringe it's the epitome of cringe it's meant to be but it's all yeah I mean cringe I don't like cringe because it's usually directed in ableist ways at things but also her entire character is ableist so that is also yeah. the point yeah okay and i confronted her about it the next day i was still upset and i remember her saying if this is how you're going to be if you're not over this now then i can't be in a relationship with you period if you're still going to be upset and i i thought to myself but i'm upset because i caught you talking to another guy all lovey-dovey all sweet now you're upset with me for still being upset 24 hours later, but in that moment, it taught me if I speak up about something that I caught that I didn't think was right, her response is, then I'm out, then I'm gone. Two months later, swoop, the same thing happened. With a different person? No, same, same person. person. He would say, I'm so sorry if I got you in trouble with your boyfriend, I'm so sorry. And she said, please don't apologize, do not apologize. We can keep doing this as long as my boyfriend doesn't know about it. There, I have no problem with this. Ew. So he catches her again with the same guy two months later because she insists he has to get over it or they can't be in a relationship, which really is her just saying, I expect to be able to get away with this with whoever I'm with. And then two months later, she's talking to the same guy and he says, I'm sorry, I got you in trouble. And she reassures him, we can keep doing this as long as my boyfriend doesn't know about it. Yeah, terrible. And also, what? Joshua, leave her. Like, wow. But it's like married her after this. But it's like being conditioned. You know, it's like he wouldn't have been allowed to keep dating her if he was going to be the kind of person to stand up for himself and not, not be walked over like that. Yeah. Awful. Awful. Are you tired of feeling unsafe online? Do you want to learn how to protect yourself from cyberbullying, doxing, and other forms of online harassment? Then look no further than Doxed the Podcast. Visit the website doxthepodcast.com to sign up for the Doxed free ebook full of helpful tips and resources for online safety. Plus, when you sign up, you'll receive the weekly newsletter with the latest updates on upcoming content. There are many ways to connect with Doxed, including Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Discord. Have a story to share or feedback to give? Use the contact form on the site to reach out or leave a voice message to be featured on the show. And for exclusive content, subscribe to the Doxed Supercast to gain access to the private podcast feed with member-only exclusives. Take control of your online safety and join the Doxed community today. So I'm curious because you haven't shared much about your relationship. Why now are you sharing this? This is the very first time in six or seven years after it happened where I feel like if I were to say something, I'm not going to be attacked by hundreds of thousands mm. of teenagers. Now, when Kalina Joshua got divorced, Joshua was almost immediately met with constant daily attacks in comments and in his DMs, as well as on gossip websites like Gossip Garden and Gossip Bakery. It's been rumored for years that Joshua, in response to the constant harassment, became obsessed with what people were saying about his divorce and began not so subtly trolling the gossip blogs for information. There are some interesting allegations relating to Joshua's mindset from this time period that we discovered after the initial interview. So. I 
decided to ask him directly about it. We have seen a relationship that you had of sorts with a site called Gossip Garden and Gossip Bakery. These both ring a bell? Yeah. Okay. Yes, they This part is interesting because Swoop brings up that he was maybe going on these gossip sites, Gossip Garden and Gossip Bakery, and just trying to get information or kind of, I don't know, be a part of that kind of exchange on the gossip sites. And we had a couple comments on our last episode that was on this topic about it, where people were kind of going back and forth about how much that really matters. And I do think the people that care, that are trying to weigh the evidence and see if they think Josh is a bad person kind of would care about that. But if you're on the other end of a smear campaign, if you're on the target end of a smear campaign, which he was, sounds like, mm -hmm. allegedly, yeah. Um, yeah, you want to know. Yes, you're going to go on the gossip sites. Yes, you're going to like look. And you, there's a level where it's like unhealthy to engage, but it is totally mm -hmm. unrealistic as an audience, as somebody that's just watching something like this unfold to expect somebody that's on the target end of that, who's facing it daily to not care or or not be tempted to look at what's being said or even try to influence it through like burner like there is nothing to me that is morally wrong with knowing that something that's being said about you in a gossip site is a lie and trying to when you can't put your face in front of it because of a bunch of weird politics of this mm -hmm. go and try to not put your face in front of it but still correct the information what is there's nothing morally wrong about that so this is kind of an interesting part of this where he comes clean about it but i don't know what do you think about that i think there there's rarely a perfect victim when it comes to this social media youtube tiktok whatever there's there's rarely a victim that's gonna be the perfect victim to everyone who is an onlooker weighing in on who's good and who's bad um i think it is really unfair to judge someone that is the target of a smear campaign for every move that they make it's like if you breathe too hard it's see you're egging it on see you're part of the problem and yeah, it's just, it's terrible it's really unfair and unless you've been the target of something this massive you cannot understand and you cannot judge it is unfathomable how stressful something like that is especially for as long as he went through it yeah. so do i judge him for literally anything that he's done in terms of like going on a fucking gossip site absolutely not no it's hard to know what to do yeah same here and then in fact that's kind of obvious especially because there's a bunch of legal crap going on and it sounds like she threatened him with legal action if he's ever going to talk about it but of course you're going to talk about it if somebody's got your name in their mouth and they're saying lies why would you not correct that why would you not want to there's you know there's nothing morally wrong with that there's there's nothing legally wrong with that although you can definitely be punished anyway by people that go after you or whatever yeah but uh yeah i don't know it's just interesting that a lot of people care about that but when you start to really look at like we've looked at a couple of different situations like this and you can be wrong but 
but there are kind of telltale signs of the person that is the the being targeted by the smear campaign right and there's a certain point where you can see how the public there's some people that just keep wanting the person that is clearly targeted by the smear campaign to give more and more and more evidence and to give more of a response every single time there's a question about whatever they did in response or right to account for everything and there's a certain point where it's like no you the audience need to learn to recognize that this person was the target of a smear campaign and and it needs to stop being about every little thing that they did in response and since then for you like that's not the point you really are just contributing to abusing someone if you're playing on that team where you're like my main point is meticulously documenting what josh evans did on the gossip sites like you need to zoom out because you are part of someone being abused (laughs) right and if you have the wherewithal to zoom out even a little bit recognize that usually in situations like this there's some there's a power dynamic at play and when the target of the smear campaign is also being threatened with legal action for saying anything, that's a problem. That speaks to the person making the threat mm-hmm. to the person that they victimize in the first place. When people, yes. when abusers want their victims to stay quiet or else, that's a problem. Why would you pile on to that person and say that they're they're the one in the wrong? the one why would the it doesn't make sense it's so frustrating because we went through something so so similar absolutely and it's a way to dominate people uh and you're right and it's all like power dynamics and so the power dynamic part of it becomes really interesting in this story too because this is a white man (laughs) and he's also an adult man and then all of the a lot of the audiences are children. And so it's really hard for him, especially with his face to go on there and refute it because then he's an adult man <laughs> like dealing with all these children. And it, there is very important, I don't know, nuances about the power dynamics of that. So we'll keep getting there. Did you feel that you, for a period of time that there was a level of silencing that was being done to you in regards to being able to speak about your experience in that relationship? I absolutely felt silenced. And I felt like, I didn't know specifically then that she was orchestrating things because what she presented online was not go after him. But what she was saying to people in DMs was, he's this, he's that, making fun of me, critiquing things, making claims about me that are not true, things that never happen. But anytime I did try to open up the amount of hate, the passionate hate that I would get from the people online, it was just never ending. And even when I would stop talking about it or alluding to it, and I would post a normal thing about nothing regarding that, the comments would be full of it, full of go end yourself. You know, Mm. you don't deserve to exist. I know where your next show is. Uh, I ended up hosting another uh, end of VidCon party the next year. And the amount of death threats I got before that event terrified me because at this point, Christina Grimmie had been mm-hmm. killed mm-hmm. at a meet and greet mm-hmm. at a venue that I had performed in. She was not even like a personality type. She's just a wonderful hearted singer 
that has so much to give. Mm -hmm. And I had the thought of, well, if someone is innocent, and to me as pure as her, it, it happened to her, well, there's a lot of people that don't like me. Mm. I have to take it seriously. I can't just be like, no, it's nothing. Mm -hmm. They're just being dramatic. Mm -hmm. I didn't believe that. I was scared to go on. I was scared. I, I had to tell my manager at the time and they gave me security. I'd never had security before. And it was so daunting and weird to think the reason why I have security, just to go from backstage to the stairs of the stage, was because someone might try to do something. Mm -hmm. That's really scary too, just that there was a real threat of, there were real death threats, real death. There were death threats that he was getting sent and that can be so terrifying. And it can feel like, again, when you're the audience, it can feel flippant, but when you're living through receiving death threats that are anonymous, it can be, it can really shake you up. And I'm glad he got security because as he mentioned, someone really did get shot pretty soon before, pretty uh, close before that. There's there, people should not feel nearly as entitled to say shit like that, but it's the, it's the anonymity, but anyway. Yeah, it is being able to hide because why is it with every internet drama, there's always death threats from random people. Like why does everyone have to die because you're witnessing an internet drama? Yeah. Why? It's so extreme and so weird. Yeah, it's like just a displacement from humanity, I think, is why people do that. I don't know. Do you think that she is watching everything that's been happening right now? Do you think she tunes into the coverage? What do you think is going through her head right now? So much anger as I feel towards her, I know what she's feeling. Even now, I don't wish that on her because I know that when we were together for seven years, that the worst thing that could happen to her is if she lost her fans. I can't imagine the depths of what she's feeling and I know it's not good. I do worry. So I feel like I was saying this. I worry about her. I don't want, she's got kids. She's got babies and I don't wish pain on her. And I know she's feeling it. I know she feels like everything that she ever had crashed. This is coming from a guy that it already happened to me. I lost everything. I fell in love with an image that she gave me and I held on to that image even though all the cracks started within a month. I held on to the image and I fought for the image. But to like think of her now, there is no image that she can put on. She can't hide anything. People see now. Adam even said, you know, the mask slipped. Mm -hmm. I think it's true. And I think she never thought it would happen either. At this point in my conversation with Joshua, a few things became clear. Now, of course, there was the distancing language and all the allegations of mistreatment, but he also would often say things that almost sounded protective of Colleen. And in listening to all of this, there was one question that I just, I couldn't shake from my mind. You, you said that the, there was an image of her mm -hmm. that you loved. Yeah. Did you ever love her? Yeah, I did. I fought for the image because I, I did see the good stuff. I did see the positive things about her. She wasn't always fully this. And the more fame that happened and the higher she rose to the top, the more she leaned into, I don't have to change a damn thing about myself. Do you think the, the way she is being characterized now, do you think that that's accurate? I feel bad answering these questions. Cause I don't want it to come off like I'm on here to like bash her and drag her. She's got enough of that happening without me needing to chime in. If I'm being honest with myself and honest with you and anyone watching this, it, 
I think this is the, the truest depiction of her that has ever been seen mm. publicly. This is the most authentic version of her that has ever been publicized. What I'm seeing, like especially in that video, the ukulele video, that's a version of her that I know. I know that person. I lived with that person. Mm -hmm. I saw those eyes. Mm -hmm. I think everyone has the ability to change, look inward, do the hard work. I just don't think she has ever stepped up to the plate to do that. That whole part is so striking. I just want to comment on it quickly because he's basically just saying this is the most authentic version of Colleen that anyone's ever seen publicly. Mm -hmm. And also it's interesting to think about whether she's watching this interview and I'm sure that she is and whether she has people in her life that could even help her walk it back because Josh seems concerned about her mental health and mentions that she has kids, babies. And uh, that is something that we also had to deal with like this weird, like, this weird issue where people who are abusive feel often like when you name their abuse, that that is you being abusive to them. And it's not, but it can very much push them to reacting as if they've been abused and trying to make you feel like as if you've been abusive to them as an, as an avoidance of accountability. And people can even convince themselves of that to the point where they really can just hurt themselves and then kind of push it on to, well, it's because you said something about me being abusive to you or whatever. Right. And you can just feel the full weight of Josh feeling that responsibility. And, and Swoop continues to push as we go on here but uh, and make some really good points about it. But you can just feel that he cares a lot. And and yeah, and then, I'm sh and then I can just imagine Colleen watching this and being like, I rate behind the scenes about it. Right. But I feel like what he's saying about what's being seen now of Colleen is the most authentic depiction of her yet there's so much confirmation of that if you watch all these youtube people that like youtube creators that are covering this and showing clips of other people speaking to her real character speaking to who she actually is off camera um and i'm glad that he feels empowered to be honest about you know, who she is matching with what we're seeing now, because there's been so many murmurings about it over the years. And then Adam tried really hard to speak to it and was shot down over and over again. And it's just like, yes, more truth and more confirmation is, is coming out over time. I'm gonna be completely honest, this next section brings someone into the situation I never expected to be named in this interview. You had mentioned before about the divorce video. Was that a 10 steps ahead moment? I'd say it, it was at least a three steps ahead, mm -hmm. maybe not 10. Um, the divorce happened very suddenly. Mm -hmm. Things were bad. Mm -hmm. I knew things were off and we were arguing all the time. She didn't ever want to talk to me. She never wanted to like talk through it because she was either out of town and wouldn't talk to me out of town. Or when she was, she was always busy, 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 busy. I was shown some things when I was at Playlist in Washington, DC in 2016, receipts, proof, of things that she was doing. Can you tell me what you're referring to? Part of me still wants, part of me still wants to protect her because what she was doing was awful. At the very least, can you tell me what it has to do with? This specific one was what she was saying about me behind the scenes on her honeymoon to another massive YouTuber. She basically said, 
I told Josh some things, and he wrecked our hotel room. She told this to another large, a very creator. large YouTuber. Yes. Okay. Are you? Can I ask who that was? Gross. So she's talking to Shane Dawson, and obviously other people like privately in their lives and smear campaigning. Josh before Josh is even aware, and that's one of the most sick things about it. Like there's this whole public smear campaign, but there's also the kind that happens among your friends, which I've also experienced, where you just have a con like one day you realize wow everyone in this room has a preconception of me that is very different than what happened and in this case it's that she was saying that on their honeymoon that he was like getting in you know scary fights with her when they were having a great honeymoon mm -hmm. but yeah it's just that horrible sinking feeling of realizing that this has been very because it has to be intentional you don't accidentally lie about what happened like that you know Right. Smear campaign that's going on among his friends. And that is, in some ways, I think that's harder. And I've been through both kinds. In some ways, I think that's harder than the public kind. Because it's like you you can really literally be in a room physically with people and suddenly have that realization like, oh, everyone thinks yeah. thing, which why would they if somebody wasn't just lying? It's right. Hard. It's really eerie. It's a terrible feeling. It's terrible. Have you ever gone through that with friends? Not real friends, no. <laughs> real friends, I mean, yeah. With people, but not with real friends. Just as a reminder, I've reached out to Colleen Ballinger for comment on all of this, and she has not returned comment. Uh, this is genuinely something that I'd like to hear her point of view on, and I am fully acknowledging that what we just heard is Joshua's perspective on the matter. I had a show with Julian Solomita and Arnold Telegarda, and we, we had a little parody group called The Shadows. The Shadows, yes. And it was a joke. It was supposed to be a joke. It's like, we're aware of who we are. We're aware we're in the shadows, so let's make a whole thing of it. Tons of YouTubers went on like a big party bus. I found out that later she was talking so negatively and just mean about me and how embarrassing that was and that she had warned me not to do a show like that. When you said that there was a big party bus and these YouTubers and everything, do you remember what show that was? That was the opening show of okay. Shadow Tour. We only did two shows. The Irvine show then? Yeah, okay. California. Mm -hmm. So but, while she's with you, they're seemingly to support you right. uh, and you're saying that she was basically talking about you yeah. to these YouTubers who were all there yeah. to also watch the show. And she might try to twist it and say she was just poking fun. That's a lot of how she would do mm. things is like I'd call her out on certain things and be like, you're taking it so seriously. What would that, what would, can you give me an example of like what she would call poking fun that you felt was maybe disrespectful or? I don't, I don't say she'd make fun of me, but she would just be little things that I would ask for as if like the audacity, are you serious? And I'd feel so small. I sure feel like it. She sure makes me feel that way every time. Mm -hmm. She's making fun of me. She's mm -hmm. sending things and making mm -hmm. fun of me. Mm -hmm. And then that came out too about like them saying I plagiarized a song on my album that I never plagiarized. I never did. But the fact that she made it a whole joke. Whoop, there's the plagiarism. <laughs> you, me, and Joshua David Evans accused of plagiarism in a smear campaign. Why is it always that? Why is it always plagiarism? <laughs> Such a frustrating accusation, especially when it's when it's just completely baseless because you're like, uh, no, like show me the words where that I plagiarized and no one ever does. Now you're just no one ever does. No one ever has proof. And then you are put in a situation where you feel like you have to scramble to disprove what they're saying, which is hard to do when it's just it's just not true. Like, why would I need to show evidence that I didn't plagiarize? It's it's so fucking frustrating. Yeah, it is. It, and it's also just like, it's very serious when you do put a lot of, um, because 
<clears throat> again, both you and I were accused of plagiarism, you with your books and me with my academic writing and my blog. And uh, when, especially when it's something like serious, like you've published a book or you have, you ha want to have some kind of academic position and career, it's a big deal to be accused of plagiarism. But then you really do have to consider the source because it's not a big deal to the people accusing you when they're just anonymous online bullshitters. Like, that's absolutely nothing. But but it's a big deal when it's your career and your life and it's like your words and what was meant to represent you. Yeah. It's just a huge difference between the way that people feel when they're making that accusation baselessly because it's some, like, I don't think it sits with just like a normal person who hasn't produced a ton of writing how big of a deal that is when you've put your heart into your writing and it's you and it's almost like you just ripped it off and scammed someone oh. uh, like not only is that a lie that's just completely devastating thank you for listening find additional content at doxedthepodcast.com